Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It is the 19th of May. Today is Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. Mm-hmm. Ah, take a deep breath. We have arrived at the last day of the work week. So encourage you today to check off that list of things that needed doing um, before the end of the week in order that you can actually enjoy and rest in the Lord and find refreshment and maybe carve out some time to encourage someone else this weekend, to serve someone else, to literally go out of your way, to find someone um, who needs to be encouraged, who needs to be visited, who needs to be cared for, who needs to be tended to. There are times that we allow discouragement to overwhelm us or we become discouraged because we fail to see all the opportunities that exist for God to actually use us in the lives of others. No matter where you are, no matter how confined you are, no matter how challenging your personal circumstances, you can still pray for others. You can still serve others um, in an act of prayer. And so text folks that you know and say, how can I be praying for you today? Don't don't start down your list of um, of ails and, and ailments. Uh, Find out how you can pray for others and use the incredible access that God has given you to his very throne room to lift others up today. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 42, verse 11. Why am I discouraged? That's a legit question, by the way. Like, What is the source of my discouragement? Um, Am I allowing the enemy to darken my thoughts and my worldview. Why am I discouraged? That is a good and honest question for each and every one of us to ask. Why am I discouraged? What is the source of my discouragement? Why is my heart so sad? Legitimate question. Why is your heart so sad today? And then comes the pivot. I will put my hope in God. That is an intentional act of a believer. Even in the face of all of that which discourages me, all which, all that makes my heart sad, I will intentionally, actively, faithfully put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. My friend, uh, Feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. The truth is God is, and God is great, and God is good. The enemy of our souls would like us to believe something other than that, that not only is God not great, but God's not good, and God's withholding uh, his goodness from us. That's just not the truth. That's a lie. So whatever the causes and sources of your discouragement or your sadness today, I want to invite you to intentionally 
consciously, conscientiously, faithfully put your hope in God. Praise him. He is your savior and your God. And if necessary, you know, go back and remember yesterday's verse of the day. <laughs> Psalm 40, verse 5. Of Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous even to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Friend, if you're discouraged today, if you're sad, if your heart is sad, go back to yesterday's verse of the day and begin reciting all the wonderful deeds of God. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Let's get some sun outside. Let's have some fun. Ain't nothing like some sounds in this quiet town on the well, it is Friday, so uh, let's jump in and do the Friday Farm Report. I often do this later in the hour with little time uh, to spare. And so let's, uh, let's do a full, a full and thorough farm report today. What's happening uh, in your neck of the woods? What stage of cultivation is, um, is the garden where God has set you as his tender and his steward? God puts us in a garden and instructs us to tend it. So whatever variety of farm you have, and if the farm that you have is the culture that God has set you in to cultivate, then be busy with that. How does your garden grow, my friend? Um, Are you planting the seeds of the word of God around you? Are you tilling the soil of conversation? Are you allowing your life to be a conduit of the living water of God? And are you bearing light and shining light to places that might bring to life the seed that God has planted within others? Like the the garden image is good for culture gardening as well as garden gardening. So on the garden gardening front, let's see, Jim has sown an acre of corn in in theory, this is for the deer, um, but really, I just think that, you know, he likes the process. So there you go. We got an acre of corn uh, sown. There's a lot of things that we have planted that haven't come up yet, which is uh, a little curious. And so it's possible that we're going to reseed some things this weekend. Um, and uh, And yet other things are up and growing. And so that is fun. Our strawberries are, are continue to come in, and that is really wonderful and fun as well. Summer has officially arrived uh, in terms of kids being done with school and graduations and, uh, and all kinds of things. So prayers appreciated on all of those fronts. <clears throat> Millie, our molinator, you know, she's one of our two dogs. Um, man, she is dirty. Like, she is a dirtiest little dog. And yet, she's, you know, she wants to come in the house, which, you know, I just can't have. I can't. She can't come in the house if she's been, you know, like wallowing in the mud all day. So, uh, yeah, that's going to require some attention. And our chicks have successfully made the move uh, not only into the small coop, but they're growing, they're thriving. The little red hen who is now all by herself living in what used to be a doghouse in the orchard, she's doing great. She seems to be like now our happiest chicken, even though she's you know, the lone chicken out there. So there you go. Uh, I am working my way through the proverbial list that exist at all times on a farm. 
And so, uh, you know, the, those things are in front of us as well. So there you go. That's the, uh, the, the, the Friday farm report from where I live. Now, I want you to imagine that you are, um, you are a man with 10 children. You live in, um, in Syria. Um, and um, you are out tending your sheep. You used to be a bricklayer, but um, now you uh, you live on a small farm. You're tending your sheep, minding your own business. And um, I guess the good news is you wouldn't know that a Predator drone had laid a Hellfire missile, missile on your location. But that is what happened to this individual um, last month. And... Um, the Biden administration is now walking back claims that that individual was a major figure in the Islamic terrorist group Al-Qaeda. Um, this farmer's family, former bricklayer, father of 10, um, vociferously denies that Lofty Hassan Misto was a former member of Al-Qaeda. Um, and so uncertainty, certainty and certainty Certainty and uncertainty, what people think they know about us and what is the truth. Let's just be, regardless of um, this person's former affiliations, let's be praying for his family. There is now a widow and 10 children in Syria um, dead at the hands of an American Hellfire missile shot from a drone. Um, And we think we live with a certainty of days and a certainty of the knowledge of what our day might hold, but we got no idea. Um, what might come. And so I want us to be praying today, and I want us to be living our lives to the fullest, to the glory of God, advancing God's kingdom kingdom purposes always and in all ways, um, trusting that God knows the plans he has for us, and also recognizing that sin is real, um, and that uh, the challenges of this world are many. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to come back with a good news story about a young woman who um, uh, needed a scholarship, recognized that scholarships didn't exist for kids like her, whose uh, parents were incarcerated. And so um, she did something about it herself. And it's an inspiring story that I want to share. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at myfaithradio.com. All right, it's the end of the school year and lots of folks thinking about, you know, what comes next academically. Uh, and so I wanted to share with you the story of um, of a young woman who has an incarcerated parent. Um, her name is Yasmin Arrington. Her father was in and out of prison throughout her life. Um, and her mom died when she was 13. Uh, she was she along with her two brothers were raised by their maternal grandmother so hats off to grandma in this story um but obviously it was going to be hard for yasmine errington to find a way to cobble together the resources necessary to go to college having an incarcerated parent is not a pathway to um to an abundant future for many people 
So she says this. She's now 30 years old, by the way. She says, you know, too often you become marginalized or dismissed as a delinquent person just because you have an incarcerated parent. She said having an incarcerated dad um, took a toll on us emotionally, mentally. Um, Obviously, my dad missed all my graduations and my birthdays. Despite those difficulties, she um, was a really good student and involved in all kinds of extracurricular activities, highly motivated. Um, And when she was a junior in high school, she joined a leadership and social change program called Learn Serve. And um, she was asked a you know pretty direct question about you know sort of like what makes you angry. It, it's a <clears throat> it's a stronger word than that, but I'm gonna <laughs> paraphrase for you know Christian radio. Um, what 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 makes you angry? What do you wish were different about the world? And the intent of the question, she says, was really for students to to analyze issues that they saw in their community or their school or their personal lives. And she said, you know, the the way that my dad's incarceration has affected me and my family, that's that's really what makes me angry. I wish that were different, you know. Um, and she she discovered that there were actually a lot of people like her, um, her age, experiencing what she was experiencing. And in particular, um, she focused in on um, the reality that children whose parents are incarcerated have a really hard time um, going to college. Co- again, cobbling together the resources that are necessary to go to college. And so in 2010, when she was just 16 years old, she created a nonprofit called um, Scholar Chips. Chips, an acronym for Children of Incarcerated Parents. So Scholar Chips to help young people like herself not only um, put together the money, the re- the financial resources needed to go to college, but you and I both know you also need a network of support. You need mentors. You need people to walk with you on and on and on. So um, since 2010, the organization has awarded nearly a half a million dollars in scholarships and aid, supported more than 80 scholars working toward college and through college and into, um, you know, into young adulthood. So just wanted to um, to celebrate that and to ask you, what makes you angry? What do you wish were different about the world? And then what are you doing about it? Like, if there's something that you know uh, should be different in the world, how are you making it different? How are you applying the life that God has given you, the resources God has given you, the network of relationships, the wisdom, um, his counsel? Like, how are you applying all of that to actually changing something about the world that you know needs to be different? Um, and maybe maybe set out some kind of like 90-day challenge for yourself. At the end of the summer, what do you want to be true that's not true today about your life or about some issue or circumstance or challenge? Um, maybe just, you know, create a little 90-day challenge for yourself. You know, by by Labor Day, it's almost Memorial Day here, by Labor Day, what do you want to be different about your life or about you or um, some challenge in your community? All right, and then I want to also tell you quickly this story about these kids in Columbia. This is a prayer concern this morning. It's also just a, a it's just a, it's an extraordinary, um, unbelievable tale. So on May the 1st, seven people got onto a Cessna 206. That's a small airplane. Um, and they were flying in the nation of Colombia to a small province in the Amazon, 
Um, and at some point on May the 1st, as they are flying over the jungles of the Amazon, the Cessna issues a mayday alert uh, saying that they had engine failure. The plane went down. Um, search and rescue headed out, um, but it's a dense jungle. And once they found the plane crash, um, there were only three, at this point, bodies on board. So there were seven people on this plane. And once um, once aviation authorities actually got to the airplane, the only people there were the three adults um, who died in the plane crash. So where are the four kids? There were four kids on that plane. Um, let me get the accurate ages here. 13, 9, 4, and 11 months. So there's a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 4-year-old, an 11-month-old baby not at the site. Obviously, they did not die in the plane crash. Um, so where are they? That was May the 1st. Today is May the 19th. And authorities absolutely 100% believe these four children are still alive. They see all kinds of signs along, um, you know, along a path through the jungle, into the jungle, um, that these children not only survived the plane crash, but, you know, set off on foot probably to find help. Now, the good news is these are indigenous children. They do know the jungle, or at least they know the ways of the jungle, and so um, survivalists are holding out hope that these kids know you head from um, whatever water you can find to bigger water and you keep moving toward bigger and bigger water because at big water you find people. Just think about that for just a moment. Um, but a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 4-year-old, and an 11-month-old, those older children know their mother is dead. Um, and... It appears that they're alive, but they haven't been found yet. So I want to be joining with a chorus of people around the globe praying that these lost would be found, that God would continue to take care of them in the meantime, um, but that these lost, these who are lost, would be found. It's an extraordinary story, and let's keep our hearts attuned to it in the coming days. And then... um, one more thing this morning before we turn to our conversation with our friend Dan DeWitt. Um, I am so thankful that God does not mind being plagiarized and quoted without attribution because I do that all the time. Um, once the word of God is knit into your heart and mind, one of the things that you do is, you know, you weave words of scripture, the wisdom of God, the counsel of God, um, the comfort of God, you weave it into all the things that you say, and certainly the things that you write. And God does not mind that we actively and openly plagiarize him. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so glad that God has not, you know, said, oh, you know what, you can't, you can't quote that without saying what chapter and verse it is. Uh, and so um, this came to mind when um, this is a bit of a humorous brand conversation that's happening out there. All the things that out there in the culture People have said, oh, no, that's our thing. That's our turn of phrase. You can't use that. Like, we own the rights to that, um, to that saying or that turn of phrase. Come to find out, Taco Tuesday is, um, is a branded phrase. Like, you can't you, – apparently, we're not supposed to just be referring to Tuesday freely as Taco Tuesday because Taco John's 
actually owns the trademark Taco Tuesday. Well, Taco Bell would like for Taco John to release the trademark on the phrase Taco Tuesday so that everyone can pursue happiness on Tuesday through tacos, so says Taco Bell. And in response, Taco John announced a two for $2 Taco Tuesday deal, thanking Taco Bell for reminding everyone that Taco Tuesday is best celebrated at, yes, you guessed it, Taco John's. So here's why I bring this up. God does not set a trademark on the phrases of the Bible. You and I have the opportunity to freely, quote, plagiarize, with or without attribution, what God has said. And so I encourage you to do that today. It's not Taco Tuesday, um, but it could be Faithful Friday, Fellowship Friday. Um, And so let me just encourage you today to find ways to weave what God has said into your conversations. And God doesn't mind that you don't give him direct attribution. You don't have to quote chapter and verse. It's okay. Plagiarize away. God loves for what he has said to be repeated into the world. That's how we sow the seed of his love. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. All right, uh, joining us next is going to be Dan DeWitt. He helps us think through some of the things that we're thinking about. So we're going to start off talking about um, a new kind of paganism. So I want you to just to think for a moment as we prepare ourselves for that conversation. Who or what is a pagan? Um, what does that mean? What does, um, what does it mean to be a person who believes false things and worships false idols? Um, And what does it mean? What has it meant over the course of time? And what does it mean today? Um, Do you know people who like worship nature Um, or maybe worship the moon and the stars? Um, We hear instruction in scripture about this. I'm even thinking about the place where, um, where Paul says, you know, don't have anything to do with senseless genealogies genealogies was all about whether or not you could really chart your connection back to the stars. Um, And so when you think about some forms of astrology today, you're talking about senseless genealogies. Um, We don't think about genealogies in that way, um, but that's what Paul would have had in view in giving that instruction. So when we look at, when we think about paganism. And we think about pagans, people who believe false things and worship the creation instead of the creator. What does that look like today? And how can we as Christians um, actively speak into it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dan DeWitt is joining us now. You can find what we're going to be talking about at Theolatte.com. Dan, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. What's crack Well, you know, I'm uh, 
<clears throat> I'm encouraging people to plagiarize. That's what uh, <laughs> I just want to go on record as saying, if you're going to plagiarize, plagiarize the Bible. If you're going to quote without attribution, <laughs> quote God. Well, you heard it here, folks. Carmen mm-hmm. LaBerge is encouraging all you young ones out there on your way for finals and exams, mm-hmm. plagiarize mm-hmm. away as long as mm-hmm. it's scripture. <laughs> right. Because imagine the opportunities that would give you before, um, be- you know, I don't know, before a group of professors to be like, okay, well, this is where this comes from. Like you'd, you'd get them into the Bible. This would be a curious way of encouraging academics to study the Bible because they would be discovering that you were, you know, you were quoting from a text, not your own. I don't know. You I'm know, just saying. I think that's just, a great thing, Carmen, because um, often people, when we lead with chapter and verse, they tune us out. Um, but when we're able to kind of paraphrase scripture and kind of talk about principles and then all of a sudden as a long time ago i know this isn't what we were originally going to talk about but a long time ago i went to a leadership conference with thousands of people and the conference with all these lineup of the who's who it was in nashville tennessee um so in your hometown and at the very end of the conference zig ziglar got up and he said uh, the reason all these principles work, and I could tell you they work, is because they're from the Bible. That was the first time the Bible had been mentioned through the entire thing. And he was able to say, all of these inspirational talks you've heard, all these great practices and principles, they're actually biblical. And that's why we know they work. So I think that's a great thing to do. Plagiarize scripture all day long. Fantastic. So um, I love that I have already convinced one other human being to join me. <clears throat> um, so let's. Are talk there about any pay- other commands you're going to encourage us to break today, Carmen? Because we no. just need to get that up front. <laughs> no, no, especially honor your mother and your father. Definitely do that one. Yeah, because that's the one with the promise. It's going to go well with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about paganism. Um, that sounds like a strong word. I mean, like sometimes, sometimes when we refer to somebody as a pagan, like that's an honest. That's an honest assessment, but sometimes people think that that's like pejorative, like we are intentionally saying something negative about someone. I'm just actually making an observation about somebody's worldview and their practice. So can you just talk a little bit about like what is a pagan, what is paganism, and what is the new paganism we find ourselves in today? Yeah, so we we do use the term pagan, you know, pejoratively, and so we often will, you know, refer to like kids who are acting up like a bunch of little pagans. Um, and so, in one sense, it's used often to mean just lawless. You're a, you're acting as someone who has no moral code. Um, different religious groups use pagans simply to mean someone who's not them. And so you have Jews, Muslims, and Christians will refer to pagans simply as people who don't practice their own religion. So a Christian might say this person is a pagan, meaning that they worship some other, um, have some other alleged deity that they worship. What's increasingly happening today, the new paganism, is really a focus on worshiping the world. And so there was an article that came out that I linked to, and I wrote an article about. The title of my article is um, Towards a New Paganism. And I believe, yeah, that the article I'm talking about is a new paganism. And the subtitle of that article is Now is the Time to Revitalize Our Relationship. And this tells the story of the new paganism, our relationship with nature and immerse ourselves in the little wonders of the universe. So that article is by an author named Ed Simon, and he wrote it for a a magazine I read often called um, Ion Magazine. And it's a philosophy um, magazine that's curated online. 
And what the new paganism really illustrates for us is something that we should anticipate um, of all of human history and just by reading our Bibles. So Paul says in Romans 1 that there are really two categories. There are two buckets that we could put everything into in terms of reality. On the one hand, and to say we're going to put God in a bucket is not the most reverential way to put it, but for sake of metaphor, you know, track with me. Um, in one bucket, there is non-created um, non-created beings. And the only thing Paul shows us in Romans 1 that properly belongs in that bucket is God. So we have a category for the non-created, eternal. Um, and then there's another bucket for created things, things that have not existed eternally, things that are dependent upon something else for their very existence. And in that bucket, we could put everything except for God. So I love the way that philosopher William Lane Craig says it. He says that God is the the source and sustainer of all reality that exists outside of himself. God is the source and sustainer of all reality that exists outside of himself. So there's God the created, and then there's or the creator, um, and then there's everything else that's created, and those are the categories. And so what we can't do is make a categorical um, error, which would be to assign to created things the value that only the eternal should have, to begin worshiping created things as though they are themselves divine. So in this article that I talk about, that's really what Ed Simon is saying. What we need to do is recognize that there's only one reality. For him, there's only one bucket. There's not a bucket of that God rightly belongs in um, and a category that God belongs in, but rather everything that we see, the physical world, ourselves in it, the cosmos, that is all that exists. And so there's a, a Christian author named Peter Jones who talks about these two categories as oneism or twoism. Oneism is that all reality is one, and that's essentially what the new paganism is arguing for. The Christian worldview would be rightly described as twoism, that there are two things that exist, a created um, reality and then the creator. And the new paganism is going to say, essentially, we need to look at the world around us. That's all that exists, and we need to worship it. And Paul says that's exactly what will happen when we suppress the truth of God. We will worship the created instead of the creator. So a couple of questions that I think that um, come to mind as you know, as you're describing that, um, I should stand in front of the mirror and ask myself, this would be drawn right out of Romans 1 and, you know, sort of the plagiarism part of the conversation. How have I exchanged the truth about God for a lie? I mean, how how am I worshiping and serving created things? Maybe myself, maybe, um, maybe other uh, human beings, like, right, how how am I worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator? Um, maybe those are ideas. Maybe those are groups. Maybe those are ideologies. Um, maybe those are appetites and fixations. Like, how have I exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator? I mean, I think that Dan, you know, we we can talk positively about the stewardship of creation, and then we can also recognize that that migrates pretty quickly for some people into a worship of the physical earth. Um, yeah. We can talk about the value of human relationships um, and even, you know, the goodness of a land where God has set us as stewards for a time, but that can move 
pretty quickly into a very unhealthy um, nationalism. Like the mm-hmm. the exchanges we make in the culture today, where we have exchanged the truth about God for lies and where we worship created things rather than the creator, like we're all, uh, you know, we we all stand before the mirror of Scripture in terms of this conversation. That's absolutely right. And I think one good diagnostic question is, am, am I seeing the things in my life as an end unto themselves? So is is my money an end unto itself? Is my family an end unto itself? Or if there is a, this other category, if there's something other than what I see and have access to and can experience through the senses, if there's something else, then it could be that that something else would be a higher authority because it's by definition, the creator, and everything is dependent upon it. So I should see the things in my life as a means to a certain end, um, which would be the means. Do I see my money, my my time, my resources, my relationships, my influence? Do I see them as a means to a certain end, which would be to honor and glorify and know the creator? And that's what Paul's really getting at. This is what we're created for. Um, when we take these things that are dependent upon the creator, including ourselves, and make them an end unto themselves, that leads inevitably to despair. And we see this kind of exchange in Romans 1 where they refuse God and therefore God gives them over. And they refuse God and God gives them over. If we want to live simply for the world, it could be that God will give us over to it. And um, ideas, as R.C. Sproul reminds us in his book, The Consequences of Ideas, ideas have consequences. And so the consequences of seeing the world as an end unto itself is ultimately that it will not be able to satisfy us. And as this article even acknowledges by a secular author who describes himself not only as an aspiring pagan, but also as a post-Christian, a former Christian, um, it shows us that if we, for example, were to say, well, the, the land itself is sacred. Well, that leads into this, like, as you mentioned, this nationalism, whose land is more sacred? And so what can give us a understanding that all of the earth has this kind of dignity and beauty and value, and it's not one nation over another? A Christian ethic would give us that. How could we How could we see all people as, as created equal? Well, a Christian ethic would give us that. But this kind of paganism not only leads to despair, it doesn't lead to a way to sustain a flourishing culture in which humans are flourishing. Because as C.S. Lewis told us long ago, God can't give us a happiness apart from himself. It it just doesn't exist. And so if we want to find happiness, even as Christians today, this is not just, hey, if you're a, you know, if you're a neo-pagan listening to faith radio this morning, right? Like, um, which maybe there is someone who's, who's, you know, playing around with some of these kind of neo-pagan practices like Wicca or um, other things that's real, that are really tapping into the idea that the world is all there is, and maybe the world itself is divine. Um, Not just for them, but for also the Christian who's struggling to find meaning we have to constantly remind ourselves the things in our lives were not made to ultimately satisfy us. Um, they're made to point us to God and to be used for him. And as we do that, and we all do that so imperfectly, um, but as we do that, we sense the favor of God when we use what we have as a means to a higher end. And as we see our lives as a means to a higher end. Mm. Super interesting. Okay. Um, Dan, let's take a very brief break. And then when we come back, um, let's let's pivot. Let's have a conversation about 
meaning and the problem of meaning. Um, as you're listening uh, right now, love all of the uh, engagement on the text line. You can keep them coming. You can text me, 877-933-2484. What are you thinking about on this Friday? Um, what is the Lord um, teaching you? What's he showing you? How's he leading you? How are you responding? Love to hear from you this morning, 877-933-2484. We talk about meaning and life having meaning is there a problem there? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. The the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. Seasons come and seasons go, and for everything there is a season. Is it all just futility? Is there any meaning to any of it? Uh, We talked yesterday about what it, who are we, and who are we really, and what does that mean? And when you start thinking about yourself, and you start thinking about the self, you start considering the reality of life and the number of your days, um, you can begin to wonder whether or not there's any meaning to it all uh, or a specific meaning to it all or if it's all meaningless. So we're going to talk with Dan DeWitt, continuing our conversation here um, on something he's got posted and linked to at Theolatte.com. This is the horrifying problem of meaning. Dan, what's the horrifying problem of meaning? Well, the, the horrifying thing is we all have to figure it out, right? Like we, we have a limited amount of time to make sense of the world and our place in it. And that's inescapable. Um, we can, you know, Pascal, one of my favorite philosophers was Pascal. And Pascal said one of our, uh, one of the ways we try to avoid this is just by distraction. And so, and we are living in a distracted age. And part of the the cause for that, I think a big cause for that is we don't want to face meaning or our own existence. So I link to an article that talks about meaning as being terrifying. And in this article, um, you'll see the confusion that really comes if there's if there's no direct source to God's will for our lives, um, then it's very confusing to figure out meaning. Now, that doesn't mean that if you know God and own a Bible and actually believe it and read it from time to time, that it's going to be very clear where you should go to college, what career path you should have, who you should marry. It's not the Christians say we have it all figured out, but we're saying that the the major decisions of life we we actually have access to. So one of the things I like to do when I teach worldview to my students is to deal with this question of meaning and how do we understand it? And to give them a survey of several worldviews and to ask, how do you get to meaning within this particular worldview or another? And to give you a elevator version of that, we begin with Christian theism in which there's a God who created the world um, and who's revealed himself. And in that, we can know something about God, his intention for the world, why there's something wrong with the world. Take one step away from that, and you have a worldview of deism, which believes that there's a God that's eternal, 
but that he doesn't reveal himself to his creation. Well, in such a setting like that, we have to frame our values in ways like our founding fathers did. Um, some of them being Christian, some of them being deist, founded our values in we hold these truths to be self-evident. If we don't have a revealed religion in which God reveals something to us, the best we could do is look around and see what seems to be self-evident. I would argue whether or not that that's a strong enough foundation for human equality. I, I would argue it's not. Um, in fact, some of the greatest speeches arguing for the end of slavery, arguing for the intrinsic worth of humans, appeal not to what is self-evident, but appeal to something deeper, which is mainly that God created us in his image. But again, that's a meaning that has to be revealed to us. If you take a step away from deism, you get to atheism. There is no God. Well, if there is no God, that leads inevitably, inescapably to a worldview known as nihilism, that there's no objective meaning or purpose. Now, the the reality with nihilism, and then I'll, I'll stop my worldview lecture, <laughs> the reality with nihilism, this recognition that the world has no objective meaning or purpose, it never travels alone. The worldview of nihilism always has a travel buddy, and that travel buddy is a worldview known as existentialism. Existentialism is a philosophy that begins with, I exist, and so I have to create my own meaning and purpose. And if we create our own meaning and purpose, that inevitably leads into what we just talked about, the new paganism. We either begin to worship creation or we see it you know, at a, its full fruition in the new age movement, which is not to say that all of creation is divine, but rather to say, I am God. And it mm -hmm. comes full circle in the absence of God. We're going to worship something and inevitably that that's going to lead us to worship even ourselves. Yeah, because God sets eternity um, in our hearts. Like we are, That's right. we are by nature worshiping beings. And so we have to have something to worship. And if we um, fail to recognize and acknowledge that God is, and God is uh, the, the one worthy of that worship, then we will eventually turn to worship not only creation, but I think most people ultimately themselves, their own comfort their own um, sense of uh, of identity, whatever they think that is in a given moment, um, their own importance, their own influence. Um, yeah, I mean, trying trying to be meaning makers. Um, so I want to. Can you help me just for a moment think through a conversation about like sense? What makes sense? Like that doesn't make sense. There's so much going on right now, Dan. That just it just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, there's a little bit of um, upside down, inside out, uh, Alice in Wonderland, things going on in the culture that we read about in the news. And we we literally like cannot make sense of it. Is there a reason for that as a Christian? This might be a departure from the conversation that we'd plan to have again. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't think today. it is. I need help like <laughs> making sense of the nonsense. Yeah, I, you know, and that's where like even for to go back to the conversation about deism, this understanding of like there is a God out there, but we live in a world where we can't access that. God's not going to do a miracle. Um, he's not going to show up and, and inspire people to write something true about him. Although people might say true things about him, it's not because God gave it to him. They've just kind of looked at the world and figured it out. I agree with C.S. Lewis again to, you know, channel C.S. Lewis. Um, if all we have was to look at the world um, to figure out what God is like with, you know, cancer hospitals that are filled with loved ones. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. children's hospital where children are facing unbelievably, unbelievably difficult situations, and many of them don't don't make it out of the hospital. Um, C.S. Lewis said, if, if that's all I had to go on was looking at the world, I would conclude God is evil. Mm-hmm. So the deist, you know, a summary of a deistic kind of view of morality is whatever is, is right. Um, because if there is a God and he made it this way, I mean, remember on deism, you don't have a doctrine of the fall. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean there weren't deists who had some understanding that had a heavily infl- Christian view of reality, even though they denied its foundation. Um, but it is to say, if you take deism seriously, you'd have to say, how do we make sense of it? Well, this is the way God wanted it to be, because this is how he made it. Mm-hmm. But on Christianity, you know, we would say it's messy and it hurts. And um, as my mom used to say all the time, life stinks. She used a different word, but life stinks. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? But what you do about it, she would always say, what you do about it is who you are. And as a Christian, we look at the world, it's so confusing. But with the doctrine of the fall, we recognize that this world is not as it should be. And then one day it will be made right. I just went to the new Avenger movie with one of my sons and the whole, um, not new Avenger movie, uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy. And without giving spoilers, because I'm sure everyone listening right now is just, you know, (laughs) waiting to see that movie. The whole thing really is about new creation. And there's this kind of deity figure in the movie, and he's made a new creation. And the whole thing's gone sour so quickly. And um, he's already looking to make a new creation. And so um, the Christian understanding is not that life is easy and not that there are easy answers to fix it all. That is not what we're saying. And some people might listen to uh, this critique of paganism and think we mean something like we shouldn't value the world and we shouldn't value nature. Um, No, we recognize that nature has meaning and value because of its artist. Um, We recognize Mm -hmm. that people have meaning and value because of their creator. And so, yes, life is confusing and and, and life is hard. It is so hard. (laughs) Even being a Christian, it's not going to be easy. But we always come back to this understanding that there's a good God who made it all. The sin has distorted his good creation. And one day he will make all things new. That is more than a bumper sticker. That is... That is, that is not only the, the truth that we're holding on to today. I believe with all my heart, it's the truth that's holding on to us. Amen. Amen. Dan, thank you for that. Um, that's Dan DeWitt. You can find what we were talking about today and a lot more at theolatte.com. You've been listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hour one is in the books. Um, hour two is coming up next, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.